Reader's Digest presents Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests, classic radio shows, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, and showbiz news. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present a classic radio Christmas detective adventure of Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley and Alfred Shirley, but it's time now to play Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, either one or both of our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants must correctly answer more multiple-choice trivia questions about Jim Morrison than me. Lisa Wolf is our moderator. That's you, Lisa. It's me, Carl. Lisa, please welcome our two Hollywood 360 listener contestants. Yes, sir. We've got Charlie That's on the line. That's an order. I heard that. I took it as an order. We have Charlie on the line from Atlanta. Hey, Charlie. Hi, Lisa. Good Hi, to Carl. have you. It's nice to talk with you again. Thank you. Hi, Charlie. And we have Tom from Evergreen Park. Hey, Tom. How are you guys? We're so good. good. We're Hi, so Tom. glad we've got two great players. We're going to be talking about Jim Morrison. Uh, Carl will be uh, with us as well. Carl gonna... will be the dummy. No, no, you. I'm always... like the I'm like the Charlie McCarthy. That is not true. He's being self-deprecating here. We're going to start. Or the Mortimer snurd. <laughs> We're going to start with Charlie. All right. Charlie, Jim Morrison's father did what for a living? Was he a general in the Army, an admiral in the Navy, a chemical engineer, or an airline pilot? Chemical engineer. Mm, I'm sorry, that's not it. Tom, do you know? Airline pilot. Oh, no. Carl. What's left? He's either a general in the Army or an admiral in the Navy. Admiral in the Navy. That's the one. Really? (laughs) Total guess. It's true. Tom, don't give him the answers. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was flying high. That's the one. All right, Tom. Prior to being signed to a recording contract, the Doors were the house brand at what L.A.? Brand? You mean band? Band. Yeah, you said brand. (laughs) I did, didn't I? You don't have to point that out. They were the house band brand. Like pointed like your head. They were the house band brand at what L.A. club? (laughs) Was it the Trocadero Room, the Viper Room, Whiskey A Go-Go, or the Jungle Room? I think it was Whiskey or Go-Go. That is right. Good job. Nice job. Carl. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not counting compilations, how many albums did The Doors record before Jim Morrison's death? Mm. Was it seven, four, six, or five? Seven. Yes, it was seven. Get Uh, out of here. Get out of here. Tried to trick me. Yes, I did. All right. Here we go, Charlie. The Doors promised to change a line in one of their songs because the censors found it offensive. They broke their promise when they played the song on what television show? Was it American Bandstand, The Hollywood Palace, The Ed Sullivan Show, or The Smothers Brothers? Smothers Brothers. Oh, no. I'm sorry, no. Tom. Ed Sullivan. It's Ed Sullivan. That is the one. 
Okay. Really big shoe tonight. <laughs> That's Rowan. <laughs> okay, Tom. The Doors recorded one of their first Vietnam War protest songs. What was the name of the song? Was it? The end. Oh, well, I'll give you the choices. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. If you knew it, if that would have been, would have been good. Eve of Destruction, The Unknown Soldier, Sky Pilot, or Billy Don't Be a Hero? Eve of Destruction. Oh, I'm sorry. Carl, do you know it? I need him again. The unknown... And what's the question? Okay, the Doors recorded one of the first Vietnam War protest songs. Okay. What was it? All right. So it's either um, The Unknown Soldier, Sky Pilot, or Billy Don't Be a Hero. Um, gosh, I say the first one you said. The Unknown that. Soldier? Yeah. That is correct. Wow. That is strange, Carl. Pretty good guesser today. Carl, wow. what was the first Doors song to feature a vocal by someone other than Jim Morrison? Oh, maybe it was the one I recorded was back called, in 65. That was the one. What's yeah. it called? Uh, I can't remember. Okay. Running Blue, Love Her Madly, Touch Me, or Roadhouse Blues? A. Carl, it's A. It's ridiculous. Get out of here. Uh, Carl can do no wrong. I think Jim Morrison is uh, sending me signals here. I think so, too, because it's definitely not me. Wow. Charlie, what 60s rocker played the blues harp on the Doors song Roadhouse Blues? Hmm. Was it Jerry Garcia, Mick Jagger, Brian Wilson, or John Sebastian? Repeat the question, please. Sure. What 60s rocker played the blues harp on the Doors song Roadhouse Blues? And the choices again are? Jerry Garcia, Mick Jagger, Brian Wilson, John Sebastian. God. Mick Jagger? Oh, I'm so sorry. I was trying there. Um, Tom, do you know? I'm trying to think. I think it was the third one. Brian, Brian Wilson? Wilson? Nope, it wasn't. Carl, it was John Sebastian. It was. And you know, a little trivia about, you know, what theme song he also sang? No. What do you like? What? Welcome back, Cotter. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah that wow. was him. Okay. Barberino. That's right. Up your nose with a rubber hose. That's the one. Remember that? That was I, a great show. Are you kidding? Of course. Yeah. Okay, whose <laughs> turn is it? Um, um, it's Tom, right? Um, yeah, Tom. Okay. Tom, which member of the Doors was frequently called upon to fill in for Jim Morrison at concerts when he became too drunk? To sing. Hmm. Hmm. Was it Ray? Oh, do you know? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, or Roger Daltrey? Hmm. Do I have the names again? Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, John Densmore, Roger Daltrey. John Densmore. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Carl? What's the one before Roger Daltrey? Uh, John Densmore. Yeah. That's what he just said. Oh, okay. Well, before that. Before that. <laughs> Robbie Krieger. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. You got one wrong. Wow. Charlie, help me here. Manzarek. Yay! He's got it. All That's right. Terrific. Charlie's on the board. All right. Carl, what door song was inspired by a fight between Robbie Krieger and his girlfriend? Huh. Was it Light My Fire, L.A. Woman, Touch Me, or Love Me Two Times? L.A. Woman. I'm so sorry. I said it like I knew it, though, didn't I? Charlie, help us out. Repeat the question, please, Lisa. What Doors song was inspired by a fight between Robbie Krieger and his girlfriend? And it's not L.A. Woman, so it's Light My Fire, Touch Me, or Love Me Two Times. Love Me Two Times. Oh, no. Tom, what is it? Light Me. Oh, no, it's Touch Me. Light Me, Touch Me, it's so close. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, how old was Jim Morrison at the time of his death? 
Was he 25, 27, 30, or 31? 27. 27 is right. Yeah. yeah. He was only 27? 27. Oh, my gosh. Okay, who's terrible. Qu- now I'm confused. Who, 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 what question? Who's, who's <laughs> I don't know. That's what you're supposed to do. I got all the buttons to push. I know. You're supposed I, to remember. Was that, was, okay. uh, yeah, Lisa, wait, you're wait, supposed wait, to remember. You got one thing. Okay, I think, th- you got to remember who you're talking to. Who just got the last Tom? question? Tom. Okay, it was supposed to be Charles. I, it was, I'll Charlie. tell you what. It was either Tom, Should Charles, or Carl. Charlie. Jim. Charlie. What did Jim Morrison call himself? Was it the Lion King, the Lizard King, the Prince King, and the Salamander King? The Lizard King. The Lizard King is right. Final question, and Carl who, And who had that what, right? That who, was who just said that? Okay. I mixed their two questions well, up. But it's right. okay. Carl, final question. Yes. Who played the role of Jim Morrison in Oliver Stone's film? All right, film? stop right there. Don't give me the answers. I didn't finish the question. That was, uh, I know it. (laughs) All right, I need the, uh, what are they again? Patrick Swayze. No. Johnny Depp. No. Tom Cruise. No. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. (laughs) All right, right, let's add them up. We had Charlie with two and Tom with two. Carl had one, two, three, four, five, six. Ah! So they did not beat the host, but no. they are winning fabulous prizes. You guys did great. Charlie, did we you have fun? fun? Oh, that's so fun. I love hearing from you, Charlie. Thank you so much. Tom, did you have fun? I had a fantastic time. Oh, man. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you guys. You guys in. are terrific. Thanks for playing the game. My crabby brother will send you some fun prizes. Lisa, right. great job. Thanks, Carl. Even though you lost your place, we still I love you. I got so excited with the show. Uh, yeah, we love you, Lisa. Okay, when we <laughs> come back, it Bye. is Sherlock Holmes. Stick around. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's detective genius Sherlock Holmes came to NBC Radio in 1930, starring Richard Gordon. By 1939, Lisa, Basil Rathbone was heard as Holmes with Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson. The duo were simultaneously starring in a popular series of Sherlock Holmes movies for Fox and later for Universal. Tom Conway and Nigel Bruce replaced um, replaced Basil Rathbone. Tom Conway replaced Basil Rathbone, Lisa, in 1947. And then John Stanley and Alfred Shirley replaced them for new sponsor, Clipper Craft Menswear. There were others to portray Holmes and Watson over the run. But the best known were, of course, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce. However, we have a John Stanley and Alfred Shirley episode for you. Now, it's a Christmas show called The Adventure of the Christmas Bride. And it's from December 21st, 1947. And uh, I will give you five whole dollars if you can say Clipper Craft Clothes five times fast without messing it up. Can yeah, you do that? I can't. Clipper Craft Clothes. Clipper Craft. <laughs> I can't do it. Clipper Craft Nope, can't do it. No, it's it's impossible. But the, I'll take the five bucks. The announcer on this is Cy Harris. You remember a good old Cy Harris? Yeah, I don't, but mm. you may remember him. Yeah, over I don't Mutual, know. he was a good he was a good announcer. That Cy All right, Harris. Well, we'll listen up. We'll Let's listen tune up. this in. You ready? Part I'm one ready. now of the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. From New York, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and 924 leading retail stores from coast to coast present the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. (laughs) Our stories are based upon the character of Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Sherlock Holmes is portrayed by John Stanley. 
Dr. Watson by Alfred Shirley, and the dramatizations are by Edith Miser. Well, here we are about to enter Dr. Watson's familiar study. Hello, what's this? We find the good doctor hanging up his Christmas holly. Not getting a sprig of mistletoe, Mr. Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Hope springs eternal, as they say. But here, help me down from this chair. My old legs aren't as agile as they were in the days when I followed Holmes through the dungeons and up the tower stairs of old Pensdagen Castle. Here we are. Oh, thanks. That sounds suspiciously like the beginning of a Sherlock Holmes yarn, Dr. Watson. It is, Mr. Harris, it is. Holmes always called it the adventure of the Christmas bride. It concerns a ghostly lady in white who was supposed to have disappeared centuries ago. The honor of a noble family and a certain Father Christmas who suddenly sang bass. And now, while I fix us both a yuletide toddy, suppose you'll tell our friends and listeners about a gift every man in our audience would welcome from Father Christmas. Or as you Americans call him, Santa Claus. With pleasure, Dr. Watson. And not only from Santa Claus. A thrifty man can give himself a worthwhile gift anytime if he insists on Clippercraft. For Clippercraft clothes keep on giving for a long, long time. First of all, you've never seen such truly fine clothes at such really low prices. That means you pocket the savings. That's the first gift to yourself. And they also give you superb styling, perfect fit, and long wear. Clippercraft clothes give you so very much because of the unique Clippercraft plan, concentrating the buying power of 924 of the nation's leading stores from coast to coast. That means tremendous savings in manufacturing and distribution costs. And yours are the savings this brilliant plan makes possible. Clippercraft suits are only 40 and 45 dollars. Clippercraft top coats and overcoats only forty dollars, and sport jackets only twenty-six fifty. Clippercraft values are so amazing. We urge you to compare them with clothes selling for many dollars more. And now, how about that Christmas bride, Doctor Watson? Her name was Ginevra. And she was the heir and only child of Lord Robert Neville, 10th Earl and 54th Baron Pensdragon of Pensdragon Castle. Yes, I shall never forget my first glimpse of that ancient and somewhat forbidding edifice. The walls grey and bleak without their summer covering of ivy. The towers square and defiant with the red or rouge dragon pennant angrily defying the winter gales. Well, as I was saying, a rather urgent message from Lord Neville on elegant embossed stationery had arrived at 221B Baker Street. Would Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson do him the honor of a visit to Pensdragon over the Christmas holidays? The visit to include the wedding of his daughter, Lady Ginevra, to the immensely wealthy but slightly middle-aged Wentworth Trimmingham, which was due to occur on the second day of the new year. Now, don't tell me the eminent Mr. Sherlock Holmes was called in to guard the wedding presents, Dr. Watson. <laughs> Hardly, Mr. Harris. At any rate, the day before Christmas found us alighting from our train at a small station in the Cumberland Hills, which, as you know, are situated in the north of England. There had been a slight fall of snow. An ancient carriage with red wheels and the Neville arms on the door was drawn up to the station platform while the anxious face of the Lord of the Manor himself, in top hat and earmuffs, peered through one of the steamy windows. Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. That's right. Uh, this way, gentlemen. His lordship's expecting you in carriage. Quite a fall of snow you've had here. Aye, sir. More a coming. 
By rights, we should have brought the sleigh. Only his lordship loaned it to the vicar for tomorrow night. Vicar always plays fire to Christmas at the hall on Christmas Eve, I know. Uh, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'll hop in before you freeze to death. Thank you. Are you here, Mr. Holmes? Your friend opposite? Ah. And now then, Dennis, back to Penn's Dragon as fast as you can. Aye, my lord. Mr. Holmes, you are doubtless curious as to why I've invited you and Dr. Watson to share our Yuletide celebrations at Penn's Dragon. To be quite honest, Lord Neville, I didn't think it was entirely for the pleasure of our society. Although Watson is quite an asset when it comes to carol singing. Oh, tenor? Well, certainly not baritone. Oh, oh, that's good. The vicar who leads the Christmas singing is rather proud of his tenor voice. And I may say he's not too fond of competition. Mr. Holmes... I have invited you to Penn's Dragon to make sure that nothing, nothing occurs to prevent the marriage of my daughter to Mr. Wentworth Trimmingham. Why is that marriage so imperative, Lord Neville? To be brutally frank, Mr. Holmes, the Neville estates are mortgaged up to the ears. If the marriage does not go through on the second of next month, I shall be bankrupt, totally bankrupt. I see. Has anything occurred, Lord Neville, to make you fear that this marriage may not take place? Well, no. That is nothing definite. Perhaps the Lady Ginevra hasn't been able to hide her distaste for the match. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing like that. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a passionate attachment on either side. But they, they like the same things. She laughs at all his jokes. What better foundation could one ask for a marriage, eh, Watson? Well, that's what I should have said. Well, everything was as smooth as silk until the Dowager Duchess of Turse gave the engagement dinner last month. It was at her suggestion that I sent you the invitation to Penn's Dragon. She's been decidedly edgy ever since Percy returned in the midst of the betrothal dinner two weeks ago. Percy? Yes, Percy is my cousin, although he's only seven years older than Ginevra. He's our next of kin. As a matter of fact, he's an orphan and lived with us at Penn's Dragon until he went off to Canada to seek his fortune two years ago. If anything should happen to your daughter before she produced an heir, would Percy Neville inherit... Yes, Dr. Watson. Both the title and the estates. Percy Neville's return was unexpected, I gather. It was. Unexpected and melodramatic, to say the least. The betrothal dinner was being held in the great hall of Penn's Dragon Castle. My daughter had just risen to return the bridegroom's toast. As she lifted her glass, a casement window was thrown violently open, and Percy walked in out of the night. I should like to make a toast to my future bridegroom. Percy! Good heavens, Percy, is it really you? I'm sorry to make such an abrupt entrance, Lady Terse, but I came as soon as I received news of the engagement. Percy, why didn't you let us know you were coming? Let you know? Let you know when you never bothered to answer my letters? But, Percy, we never received any letters. We, We thought you'd forgotten us. I have forgotten, as if that would have mattered. Percy, that's not true. You know how fond I... We are of you. How touching. Percy, this is Wentworth. Wentworth Trimmingham, my future bridegroom. So, this is the little man they've sold you to. Stop that. Stop it at once. I'm very fond of Wentworth. Are you, my dear Geneva? Percy, why do you look at me like that? To think you should so soon forget our family motto. Ne vile bailis. The name Neville means that, you know. Ne vile bailis. <laughs> What is that, Latin? It sounds like it, yeah. Yeah? Latin? Do you know what it means? No. Me neither. Do you? 
Well, you were an English teacher. You had, you're the one with two master's degrees. Yeah, I didn't take Latin. And two no. giant bulbous brains. Yeah, none of those degrees contain Latin. Really? No, nah, none. You were a teacher yes, for a while? Yes, I didn't teach Latin, though. <laughs> what, what did you teach? You were teaching uh, English? No. What was it? Um, I taught creative advertising, and I taught educational psychology. Did anyone show up to class? Oh, yeah, they love my class. Really? There oh, were people sure. that actually showed up? What's, College students. What school? I taught accretive advertising at University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. Right. And I taught educational psychology at University of Illinois at Chicago. Wow. Wow. That sounds, While it I was sounds impressive. My, doesn't but... it? I know. I was getting my master's degrees at both places. Really? So I taught undergrad um, things wow yeah well i graduated i graduated with the highest temperature in my class i'm not going to ruin the joke for you right yeah. when i went to college <laughs> when i went to college at least i studied to be an astronaut really yeah i took up space i never heard that hang one on a second. i took up space hang on there you go all right so i digress um sherlock holmes that's what we're listening to did you know that I do, and there's we'll a lot of fans it. we have of Sherlock Holmes. A lot of people are messaging that oh, they really? really appreciate Sherlock Holmes. That's great. Yeah. I love Sherlock Holmes. It was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle that created Sherlock Holmes. People think like Sherlock Holmes, there's all these shows even today on television, right. like Elementary. Yes. And, I mean, you know, he's been around. Sherlock Holmes has been around since the, like, I don't know, probably set eight, probably the early 1800s. You know, when Conan Doyle created, probably probably mid-1800s, I'm guessing, somewhere around there. But uh, I can't talk anymore because I have to play this song. This is a Doors song. Take a listen. The time to hesitate is through. The time to wallow in the mind. China, we can only live. Ah, you know that one, Lisa? I, I, I played that tune earlier. Did you? Today. All right. If you know what song that is, call us, 855 360 H360 wins some fabulous prizes. The time to hesitate is through. The time to wallow in the mind. China, we can only lose. All right, if you know it, give us a call. 855-3... Too bad there weren't cameras in here. 855-360-H360. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, Lisa Wolf, we're back here. It's Hollywood 360. That's the great Adam West, uh, the man himself, Batman, and uh, Mayor West, and many, many other uh, roles over the years for the one and only Adam West. So honored to uh, be working with him. And uh, I'm honored to work with you, Lisa. Well, thanks. I'm I'm sometimes honored it's to work with nice. you. It's, it's been, been nice. It's been a it's slice. It's been nice knowing you, Carl. It's been a slice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Doors. Jim Morrison, here's uh, one of his uh, big hits. The time to hesitate is through. The time to wallow in the mind. China, we can only live. All right, if you know that song, we asked people to call in, and uh, guess what? Craig out in Connecticut uh, got through. What's up, uh, Craig? How are you? Uh, I'm breathing. Yeah? All right, well, that's that's good. Because Jim that Morrison's not anymore, unfortunately. What's that? Lisa is loquacious. Absolutely, yeah. she is. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, but not compared to my loquacious host over here. Oh. Uh, well, yes, but he's my favorite food. 
Ah, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I, is that really, is that your favorite food? You don't like burgers more than that or a pasta no. or a pizza? pizza. No, I like calamari. That's Get out yeah. of here. More than pizza? I am pretty tasty. I'll tell you yeah. that. You know what, Craig? You've never tried. I am. You've never tried Chicago pizza then, because that's yeah. that's the sh- that's the pizza. That's the good stuff. So, yeah. Craig, what's the answer here? Light my fire. Yeah, light my fire. You're absolutely right. You know what? If it's we, you know what? If we light a fire and we roast, we cook me up. I could be fried calamari. Sound good? Exactly. Yeah. And my nephew will eat all of you. <laughs> he always steals my. <laughs> when I order that, when we go he out eats to dinner, it. he always, my nephew steals it. Oh, he likes it, huh? He's a yeah. seafood eater. All right, well, you are a big winner, Craig. Uh, my crabby brother will send you some fun prizes, okay? All right. All right Thank thanks, you. buddy. Appreciate you calling in. Craig knew it, Lisa. He did. He also likes uh, calamari. He must like you. You know, I'm famous. I'm on every <laughs> yes, uh, menu across the country, pretty much. Yeah, I don't like that, though. My name and lights. Yeah, that's Calamari. your name. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Nevile Velis. Latin, I take it, eh, Holmes? Quite. It means stoop to nothing base, in case you've forgotten your Ovid, Watson. Oh, teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Tell me, Lord Neville, what happened after Percy quoted the family motto to your daughter? Uh, he stamped off to his old rooms in the tower and hasn't been out of them since. How does the Lady Ginevra react to this unfriendly behavior? Oh, she says let him sulk. It's no concern of hers. Lady Terse, on the other hand, is thoroughly unnerved by Percy's return. Oh? As she feels sure he'll do something outrageous the day of the wedding. Poor Wentworth is as edgy as a hen on a hot griddle. Well, of course, that may be due to his encounter with the White Lady. White Lady? Who's she? The ghost of the first Ginevra, you know. The bride who played hide-and-seek on her wedding night and was never seen alive again. Years later, her skeleton was found in her great dower chest, still dressed in her wedding gown. She'd hidden in there, and somehow the hasp must have fallen down, and she was locked in and smothered to death. Seems to me I remember a rather famous poem on the subject. Oh, yes. So all the Ginevras in the Neville family have been named after her. She's supposed to walk through the halls of the castle whenever a misfortune is due to occur. Oh, cheerful damsel, eh, Holmes? When and how did Wentworth Trimmingham meet the lady? Well, Mr. Holmes, it seems it's his habit to knock on my daughter's door on his way to bed to wish her good night. Last night, the wind was rather high and he couldn't seem to make my daughter hear. Suddenly, he heard a strange creaking noise down the corridor behind him. Looking round, he saw the lid of the dower chest rise, slowly. Ginevra. Ginevra, my dear, it's I, Wentworth. I've come to bid you good night. Ginevra, are you there? Ginevra! Who calls me? What was that? Good Lord, the, the lid of the chest is rising. There's something. A woman in white. She's rising out of the chest. Who, who, who are you? The first Ginevra. You call to me. So I have come to warn you. Go away. Go away before it is too late. Then what happened, Lord Neville? 
for nothing, Mr. Holmes. Apparently, the white figure glided past my daughter's fiancé and disappeared up the tower stairs. Hmm. What did the lady look like? Blonde, brunette? Uh, Wentworth says her features were hidden by the bridal veil. Yes. Interesting. I suppose anyone in the house would have access to that tower chest. On the contrary, Mr. Holmes. Too many people are possessed of insatiable curiosity. I keep the silly thing safely padlocked, I promise you. How many keys are there to that padlock? One, which I keep by me, here, on my keyring. A very wise precaution. I say, Holmes, your bed is even larger than the one in my room. The butler tells me Queen Victoria slept there when she paid a visit in 1846. Don't look so superior, Watson. Queen Elizabeth, I'm told, slept here quite a few years before that. Oh. Come in. Oh, Lady Tuss, beautiful and charming as ever. Stuff and nonsense. Glad to see you, both of you. Something's going on here. Don't like it. What sort of something are you referring to, Lady Tuss? Don't know. If I did, shouldn't have sent for you. Ginevra looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. Bad sign. Percy looks like a thundercloud. That's worse. I thought Percy had locked himself in his rooms and refused to see anyone. I'd like to see anyone refuse to see me. Oh, but I'm Gavin. Uh, you'll want to view the premises. Yes. First of all, I'd like to inspect that dour chest. It might be interesting to investigate how a lady in white can emerge from a carefully padlocked coffer. Then you don't think it was a ghost. Neither do I. Well, what was she up to? We shall be able to answer those questions better, Lady Terse, after you've had a look inside that box. I wonder if you could persuade Lord Neville to lend us the key. Here's the key, Mr. Holmes. Lord Neville insists I bring it back the moment you've finished with it. Suspicious old boy, eh, Holmes? Not suspicious, Dr. Watson. Fussy. Well, Mr. Holmes, why the delay? Open the silly chest. Let's see what's inside. So fast, Lady Terse, not so fast. First, let's have a look at the lock. Heavy old bit of machinery. Yes, almost impossible to pick it without showing signs. There are no signs. Then whoever opened it used that key. Not necessarily, Watson. But there's only one key. Lord Neville told us so. And if Robert says a thing, it's gospel. Yes. Interesting carving around the lock. The wood's very old. Mm, naturally. Open it up. I'm dying of curiosity. Very well. Lock and doiling hasn't been unlocked for some time. I'll remove the padlock. Here, Watson, hold it. Now, Lady Terse, if you'll help me raise the lid. Right. Good Lord, what's that? Oh, it's Thor, Ginevra's spaniel. Goes everywhere with her. Regular shadow. Oh, yes, here she comes. Hello there. I'm Ginevra. Why, you must be Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Delighted. Don't let me stop you, Mr. Holmes. You won't. Father told me what you're up to. I'm dying to see what's in the chest, too. Go ahead, open it up. Down, sword, down, boy. You see, it's a biggish box, isn't it? Yes, a woman could easily hide in there. Hmm, something uh, white and uh, satin lying on the bottom. Wonderful. It must be her wedding dress. I've always heard it was still in there. Remarkable to find it in such good condition after all these years. The remarkable thing about it, Lady Ginevra, is this dust and dirt on the hem. Watson, give me an envelope. I shall want to take a sample. But that's fascinating. I've heard simply fabulous things about you, Mr. Holmes. And now I believe them. Every one. Do you? Yes, I think we've seen everything there is to be seen here. Watson, you may close the lid. And lock it. Right. Uh-huh. 
So this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and his famous deductions. They told me you were coming. They? Who's they? I understood you'd let no one in here, not even the maid. You've overlooked Lady Terse. Try to keep her out of anything. I didn't mention Mr. Holmes, Percy. Or did I? Don't look so suspicious, Lady Terse. I've decided to be a good boy. I've even decided to come downstairs tonight and join in the Christmas Eve festivities. Percy, that gleam in your eye. I've known you too long. You're up to something. Geneva. He'll be here. But Percy, the snow's so deep. What if he can't get through? Now, don't worry. The sleigh is light and he has Vixen, the best horse in the county. Nothing can pass her, you know. Oh, dear, I hope so. No, Thor, down. What ails the dog? He may prove to be a bit of a problem, don't you think? Goodness, I hope not. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I didn't see you behind that chair. An ancient wing chair often provides a good listening post, my dear. Now, look here, you meddling busybody. Percy, please, you promised. Suppose you allow me to solve the problem of the dog, Lady Ginevra. Would you? I mean, listen, sleigh bells. The vicar's driving up. He's here. Father Christmas has arrived. Open the door, Paddleford. Now then, everyone. Good King Wenceslas looked down on that beast of Stephen when the snow lay round about. Yes, Dibby, I have to declare I've never been so cold. My right ear's half frozen. Come along, Father Christmas. Percy will take you into the dining room. You can have a hot toddy while you get out of your rack. That's a good idea. A good idea. And better disguise your voice, sir, or all the children will guess who you are. Uh, that's a good idea, too. Uh, 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 gather round all. Uh, bring in the Yule log. <laughs> Father Christmas will be with you in a moment to give out the presents to all the good boys and girls. <laughs> there. Uh, how is that? Vicar, you're wonderful. Now go along. Take good care of him, Percy. Never fear, my dear. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, they're bringing in the Yule log. Come and help me set fire to it. Oh, look, Dr. Watson has caught Lady Terse under the mistletoe. I declare I've never had such a Christmas. Oh, come along, Ginevra. They're ready for you to light the fire. Oh, dear, where did I put the matches? Well, happy Lady Ginevra. Oh, thank you, Dr. Watson. Oh, oh, oh yes. I say, I say, how she burns, Oh, lovely. I do like to toast my feet in front of a yule log. I beg your pardon, Lady Ginevra, but haven't you raised your skirts a bit too high? Oh, my goodness. I forgot. Oh, Ginevra, my dear, your fiancé is making quite an ass of himself. He runs into the library every other minute to see no one's lifted one of the wedding presents. Well, all that silver and your present, Lady Terse, the diamond tiara. I'll admit that tiara is a temptation. You shouldn't have given it to me, Lady Terse. It's wonderful. Oh, not at all. A confounded nuisance. Given me a headache for years. Glad to be rid of it. Oh, here, here comes Father Christmas. Gather around the punch bowl, everyone. And we'll have a drink or so before we give out the present. I say, what? Oh, oh, no, we should. Oh, That's the ticket. I say, there, Vicar. Father Christmas, I mean. Start us off on a carol. Can't drink your eggnog without a song. Right you are, fair lady. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior, born on Christmas Day. Uh, jolly, eh, Holmes? Nothing like a good old-fashioned English Christmas. Straight out of Dickens. 
Father Christmas, not leaving us so soon. Well, uh, that is uh, a long ride home. Must get going. Uh, don't tell the others. Uh, wouldn't want to disturb the party. Quite. How about a hot toddy before you leave? Stirrup cup, you know. No, I haven't time. I haven't time. I thought you might say that, so I prepared this jug full of grog. Keep it well wrapped. It'll keep you warm. It's a long, cold drive to Gretna Green, but... What, Mr. Holmes? No time to waste. On your way, Father Christmas. Think of me when you drink the grog. We will. Wassel! Wassel! Merry Christmas! And a happy new year. Hello, what's this? Vicar, off so soon? Uh, yes, Lord Neville. He seemed in a hurry to get home. Oh, can't blame him. It's a cold night. Let us get inside before we freeze to death. Good idea. Oh, I say, oh. they're ready to start the dancing. Uh, Wentworth's trying to find Ginevra so they can lead the dancers. Help! Help! Oh, who's that calling? Good heavens, what is that? Get me out! I'm locked in. Someone's got himself locked in the dungeon. This way. The entrance is through the dining room. I was hoping for more of a head start. What's that? Nothing, nothing at all. Ah, this is the door to the dungeon. Let me out! Let me out, I say! Oh, dear, the door is bolted. Just a moment. Ah. Get me out of here! Good Lord! It's the vicar down there in his underwear and trussed up like a New Year's goose. This is an outrage! Get me out of here! But if the vicar is here, who drove off in the sleigh? Presumably an imposter who stole the vicar's clothes. I thought it might be, you know, when I heard Father Christmas sing bass. Hey, Holmes. Holmes, where are you? Lady Ginevra, her fiancé can't find her anywhere. She's disappeared, vanished into thin air. Hey, Scott, someone get the vicar out of the dungeon. I've got to find my daughter. Oh, Mr. Holmes, come quickly. Ginevra's disappeared. Her dog is crouched in front of the dower chest, howling. Oh, hurry, gentlemen. The same scoundrel that locked the vicar in the dungeon has undoubtedly put Ginevra in the dower chest. I only hope we're not too late, eh, Holmes? Wentworth's tried to break the chest open, but the dog won't let him near. There, you see? Easy, 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 Thorpe, boy. Yes, yes, I know. I know what you're trying to say. We'll get her out. Oh, confounded the key. Lady Terse, what did you do with the key? But I gave it back to you. No, you didn't. Oh, yes, you did too. Quite all right, you know. No key needed. The wood's so old and the staple's so loose, it's quite possible to lift the lock right out, like this. That's it, I'll raise the lid. Great Scott, there's nothing in there but a roast of beef. Yes. Thor's made off with it, I'm afraid. That explains his interest in the chest. But if Ginevra isn't here, where is she? With Father Christmas, I imagine. They're heading for the Scottish border in the sleigh. You'll never catch them, I'm afraid. Oh, of course. She's eloped with Percy. So she did talk him round. Good for her. <laughs> so that's why she trailed off up the tower steps in that old bridal gown. I suspected as much when I discovered some of Percy's ashes on its hem. Ah, oh, but this is dreadful. I should be ruined. We'll have to return all the wedding presents. Fiddle-dee-dee. Personally, I'll make mine a much handsomer contribution. Ginevra shall have the tiara and my emeralds as well. They're worth a king's ransom. Lady Terse, you are an astounding female. All women are. Oh, but we're keeping the dancers waiting. You shall lead the dancers with me, Robert. Come along. Say, Holmes, you old fraud. I believe you knew what was going on all the time. I suspected, Watson. I suspected. 
But when I saw the Lady Ginevra raise her ball gown and display a pair of traveling boots, I was sure. But uh, come along, Watson. We shall have to go down to the kitchen and make peace with the cook. Oh, why that? For making off with Sunday's roast of beef. Something had to be done to keep the dog interested, or he'd have given the show away. Well, that certainly was a Christmas story with all the trimmings, Dr. Watson. Glad you liked it, Mr. Harris. And now, while I fill up our glasses so we can drink a Christmas toast to our listeners and our sponsors. Nothing would give me greater pleasure, Dr. Watson. Ah, here's your glass, Mr. Harris. Thank you. And here's to our radio friends, young and old. Merry, merry Christmas and happiness, prosperity and peace in the new year. Indeed, Dr. Watson, and warm greetings to all the makers of Clippercraft clothes. The makers of Clippercraft clothes and 924 leading stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is produced and directed by Basil Lochran with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Christmas seals support the fight to prevent the spread of tuberculosis in this community. Buy and use Christmas seals on all your holiday mail and be sure to mail your packages now. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in New Year's Eve off the Silly Isles. If you'd like to attend the Sherlock Holmes broadcast in New York, see your local Clippercraft dealer and he'll tell you how to obtain your tickets. This is Cy Harris speaking for Clippercraft Clothes. This is the world's largest network, serving more than 450 radio stations with mutual broadcasting systems. See, uh, Cy Harris there, he had no problem saying Clipper Craft Clothes a bunch of times without messing it up. But he only up. said it once each time. Yeah. Though. He didn't do it five times. I'll bet in you he row. could have done five times in a row. I bet but you But he couldn't. was making, he was being paid to do that. That's right. If you were being paid to do that, I could probably you'd figure out it. how to do it. Exactly. Right? You'd yes. put the time and effort into it. That is right. right. And but that's if I just ask you, hey, do it, you're like, mm, nah, no, nah I'm not doing yeah, that. Nah. So that's Sherlock Holmes, The Adventures of the Christmas Bride, December 21st, 1947. Good Christmas program sponsored by CCC, Clipper Craft Clothes. <laughs> I, I messed it up. Clipper Craft Clothes. There you go. On the world's largest network mutual, John Stanley and Alfred Shirley starring as uh, Sherlock Holmes and Watson. All right. We have a website. Please go to it. Hollywood360radio.com. If you go there. You can get 10 free classic radio shows. Yeah, yeah. well, you get the 10 shows absolutely free. I think I said that. You do. Right? Yep. I said it twice. That's okay. You usually say things multiple times. You I like, like to, to repeat. repeat yourself. I like to, did you know I like to repeat myself? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. They oh. call me Carl two times. Two-timer? Yeah. No, Carl two, two times. Oh, two-time Carl. Yeah. It's like, you know, those, all those <laughs> yeah. mob guys on the on Goodfellas. Two-time and Charlie. You know, J- Jimmy No-No's, uh, you know, Carl two-time. You know, they always have I, these. I think it's two timer. <laughs> what does that mean? Like a two timer. <laughs> no, jo- Johnny, uh, Johnny, uh, holes no. in your socks. You know, like that. And you have holes in your socks every now and then. No, as well. every now and then. So, all right. You know, in our next hour, Lisa, you know what we're gonna do? I sure do. What? 
We've got some movie, movie Va-va. reviews. Sarah Adamson will be here to review two movies. That Did you have tea martinis out. before the show? <laughs> I'm a big drinker. We've got Tales of the Texas Rangers coming on from December 24th, 1950, The Christmas Present. And in our fourth hour? Yes. Well, that's an exciting hour. We've got a mystery escape, one of our favorites from December 24th, 1947, Back for Christmas. But before that, we have a Bill Stern News Sports Reel. What is it? A newsreel. <laughs> yeah. Bill Stern Sports Newsreel. Yes, but it's a sports newsreel. Yeah, it is. You know that escape that we're going to listen to in 1947 there? And we're listening to it in 1947? No, that's just, that's escape episode. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Of course it is. Back for Christmas. You're going to love it. Yes, Don't miss that. Paul All right, Freed. let's take a break, and then we'll uh, have more here on Hollywood 360. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Well, the- Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. That's Hollywood360radio.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari, brought to you by Reader's Digest. All right, in our next hour, it is Tales of the Texas Rangers, a Christmas episode called The Christmas Present from Christmas Eve 1950, starring Joel McRae. And then before that, Sarah Adamson, uh, she's on her way up to the studio. We are going to talk about Janice, Little Girl Blue, and Hitchcock Truffaut. Great documentary. I think you will love that. That's in our next hour. Are you going to stick around, Lisa? Are you heading out, or what are you doing? Um, I don't know. I can be persuaded one way or the other. To hang out with us? Either and... way. All right. Well, two more hours of Hollywood 360 coming your way. Mike Costella, who is our executive producer, is in there, and he's uh, spinning the dials. We'll be back. Stay with us.